0: welcome to the Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman and today I'm visiting with Esther Cohen. Esther is a longtime leader of labor culture in New York City and is one of the organizers of a March 25 Memorial to the Women Who Died in the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. Welcome Esther.
1: Welcome, I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm really glad that we connected and I will give a little thank you shout out to Ellen Cassidy, somebody we work closely with on all fronts and um, Connected us, and I think you've got a really interesting story to share today. Um, so, before we get started, I wonder if I could ask you to just give sort of a backstory to the Triangle Waste Company, if you would.
1: Sure. A uh, hundred and ten years ago, which uh, which seems like five minutes ago to me these days because of the world we all live in. hundred and ten years ago. There was a horrible fire, the worst fire in this country's history, in the garment history, which changed much about the labor movement. And um, it happened in the village in a building, in a spot in a building that's been taken over by New York University on Washington, on the corner of Washington and right off of Washington Square Park. And it was a factory where people were making shirtwaists. They were making shirtwaist dresses. And um, the people who were working in the shop were immigrants, uh, women, well, mostly women, there were a couple of men. And they were from Italy and from, uh, they were Jewish and Italian. And the Jewish women were, for all from Eastern Europe. And they were young. Uh, many of them, it was their first job coming to this country. And uh, they'd been unsuccessful at trying to organize and <clears throat> unsuccessful at trying to uh, trying to modify the awful working conditions where they were and one day there was a flame that went off in the, in the building and in the, in the shop, actually. The women were locked inside because they had been trying to organize and the owners of the shop were really uh, anti-organizing. And 146 people jumped to their death out the window and that in many ways, that horrible, horrible act, which we commemorate every year on March 25th, that horrible, horrible act changed the face of labor in this country in profound ways. You know, there was a, one woman in particular named Clara Lemlich, who came from the Ukraine. She was very young. And she gave a very famous speech about the fire in Yiddish in front of Cooper Union, which began with the words, I've got something to say, and many people credit Lemlich and her speech and her passion and, and the courage of the women who were around at that time to forming the first garment workers union 25,000 women, which came out of that and pretty much changed the face of labor. Um, so There are all sorts of lessons that we take from this fire every year. And I I did want to tell a a small ancillary story that has a relationship to the fire that I've always found amazing, Uh, which really indicates the strength of the women involved. Uh, One of the women in a writing class that I teach named Sonia Goldstein, who's now 92 years old, her mother-in-law worked in the fire in the shops. She was a teenager at the time, and the shop owners. Uh, she had she was quite buxom, and the shop owners put a piece of lace in in her dress in the front part of her dress. They said they were testing out the lace, and the owner put his hand between the lace down her breast, and she slapped his face very hard. And he was; she was fired the day before the fire. So really, it was her strength and courage and 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 fortitude that saved her own life. And she spent the rest of her life working for the union, trying to help the union to organize.
0: I can only imagine the impact that had on her. Absolutely, her resistance saved her in such a um, unexpected way. Um. So you're part of the Remember the Triangle Fire Coalition. And right. I, I'd love to know how it was established and also how you became involved in it.
1: Well, let, let me tell you first my own um, my own subjective story, which is that in the 80s, I was hired by a labor hero. There, there was a very well-known family in the world of labor and progressive Jews the Foner family. And I'm sure that many of your readers have heard of some of the Foner's particularly Eric Foner who is a nationally recognized reconstructionist historian who won every possible award for his really phenomenal books about American history. Eric was the son of one of these four brothers and the four Foner brothers, uh, Phil, Jack, Henry, and Mo all did remarkable things in a variety of ways. And in the 80s, I was working in book publishing. And uh, my boss brought me somebody who wanted to to republish a book about the Lawrence strike in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which took place in 1912, which was also a formative American strike because the women and children in a lot of different languages made signage saying, we want bread and roses too, which became a famous American poem and then a famous American song. And so Mo, who was one of the architects of the major hospital workers union in the country, 1199, which now represents 600,000 workers, Mo wanted to republish the Lawrence book. And and when I met him that day, I joined, he was like Bill Clinton, he had a famous Rolodex and he met thousands of people every week of his life. He was a very outgoing and remarkable human being. And um, Mo added me to the Rolodex. Anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up working for Mo, even though I said I never would because all he did was work. And I wanted to go to the movies and write books and do a bunch of other things. But we worked on a project called Images of Labor in the 80s, where we did original art around what it means to be an American worker with many famous American artists. And the show opened at the Smithsonian Museum and uh, traveled around the country. And the posters still exist. And all around the world. Anyway, I, I ended up working for Mo in the culture program that he named after Bread and Roses called the Bread and Roses Culture Program. And we had the only labor union gallery in the country and um, did many, many, many wonderful things because of his vision and because of the enormous uh, enormous dedication of the union itself to making the lives better for poor people so uh culture was was our thing and and my thing in particular and um I was asked to join the triangle shirtwaist factory co- fire committee to to create a poster because making posters was what I did so in the hundred in the hundred year celebration 10 years ago the committee hired a uh, fantastic multimedia artist named ruth sergel who ran many hundreds of events and i made the first poster and became a a dedicated let's remember the triangle fire devotee and that that's Kind of my own story. I, I I will say also that the Foner family um, created culture in a lot of different ways. Phil Foner wrote almost a hundred books. I think he wrote ninety eight books, including the official biography of Castro. And you know, he wrote a lot of books about Black history. And Jack Foner, the father of Eric Foner, taught. And Henry Foner was the head of the Fur Workers Union and he wrote, wrote musicals for workers, the most famous of which is called, uh, I think it's called, uh, Thursdays at 9, I'd, I'd have to check, but it's about what it means to be a department store worker. And Mo oversaw hundreds and hundreds of programs, including something called Take Care, where he had Broadway people write Uh, pieces about what it meant to be a hospital worker, which I think we should revive today. And he performed those shows in the hospitals themselves. So everybody could see how hard it was to be a hospital worker. So that's pretty much my own own story. And in terms of the triangle story, today, now it's on Zoom this year on March 25th at 6 p.m. The event will be held on Zoom and uh, we're pre-recording everything. And Ruth Sergel, the producer that I mentioned earlier, uh, is handling the whole thing from Berlin. She's putting together all the pieces from Berlin where she lives now. And we've asked um, 146 people around the country essential workers and significant labor leaders and, you know, wonderful people like Ellen Cassidy, who was one of the inspirations and founders between nine to five. We asked many people around the country to hold up a sign of a woman who died in the fire and take a selfie of that sign. And, and we're putting those signs on the screen and the Children of the family members will recite the names of those signs. Many family members' children come to our event every year and participate in the memory of what happened to their relatives.
0: And um, okay. I imagine, I imagine, for many of those relatives, that we're now at a generation where they never knew these relatives, but they're carrying on their story.
1: Everybody's
0: carrying on their story. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you mentioned um, Clara Lemlich's daughter Rita Marguerite. Mar- Mar- um, yeah. Is that I, have I said that correctly? Perfect. Okay. Um, she's still alive, and she's always been, or most of the time that you've been doing this, has been part of these she's celebrations. Always, absolutely, yeah. and not only
1: that, I I, sh- I should say this too because it may interest your readers and they may and your listeners, and they may want to participate in this in some way. 10 years ago, we uh, labor arts, which is a, an umbrella for the virtual arts. It's, a, it's kind of a virtual gallery for the art that came from the labor movement. Labor arts sponsored a, an event called the Clara Limlick Awards in honor of the triangle and in, in honor of Clara, the strength of Clara Lemlick. And every year for the last 10 years, we celebrate uh, women activists in their 80s, 90s and 100s who are still fighting. And uh, Rita Margolis is always a part of our ceremony. Clara's daughter and, and Clara's grandchildren are always part of our ceremony.
0: That's, um, I think it's a fantastic testament to what you are keeping in everybody's mind. I mean, there's there again is such a long history there in terms of everything that it's affected um, that these women have a voice as it were, Um, it continues.
1: Absolutely, they're never gonna be forgotten. By the way, so what what I wanted to say is if any of your listeners have activist women in their eighties, nineties and hundreds that they would like to be honored, they should let you know.
0: Um, well, let's get back to that in a minute. There must be is there a is there a website where they do they It's a fantastic website. It's called Labor Arts. Okay, Labor arts um, website. That's great. And I um, also on the site for the Triangle Fire Coalition,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: found my way to the database in which you've sort of reconstructed um, some of the some basic facts about the women who lost their lives. Right. Okay. And, and we've also gathered
1: artifacts,
0: you know, you tell me about that. People. Yeah. Well,
1: it, again, this was uh, a lot. The idea of Ruth Sergal 10 years ago, she wanted to preserve as much memorabilia as we could. And so she put out a call through two people who are archivists to gather materials, a- any memories that they had objects and notes and letters and so on. And, And we have we have really an enormous amount of that available Uh, through the remember the Triangle Fire Coalition. The other thing is that we've been raising money to put up a permanent memorial site on NYU, which has taken years. But we're almost close. We had an international competition and two people, uh, two architects won the competition and we hope that by next spring you know we weren't able to do anything this year because of the pandemic but by next spring there'll be a permanent memorial to all the people who died
0: and how hard is it to piece their stories together or just even to figure out who was there i I imagine it's hard to document and know much about them
1: well, we've, we've tried very, very hard and we continue to try. And as in with everything in history, there's some people who are better at keeping records than others. So we know a lot more about some of the women than we did others. But what, one of the projects that Ruth started, Ruth Sergal, she found addresses for many of them and started something years ago called Chalking, the Chalk Project and she chalks their name and age the age they died with uh, scores of volunteers all over the from all over New York to the places where they lived and in the course of doing that we found more and more information about what their circumstances were like when they lived and you know what, what were their living conditions who were their relatives what were their lives actually like and there, there are, are also many good books on our website. We list a lot of the books that were published about, the, I hope all the books that were published about the Triangle Fire. There were a lot of good children's books about the Triangle Fire too. And Clara Lemlick mm-hmm.
0: herself, Clara
1: Lemlick herself.
0: And um, for, before I let you go, um, so if you'll give me the, the URL, the website address for the Triangle Fire Coalition, so our listeners can find out more both about the March 25th celebration, ongoing work, and begin to get some of the um, archival and background information about these. That
1: would be fantastic. It's called rememberthetrianglefire.org.
0: Okay, great. And um, the, the yeah. place, if
1: you want to see the live videos of the last 10 years of fantastic women who won the Clara Limlick Prize, the site is laborarts.org. Wonderful.
0: One word. Laborarts.org. Okay. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, Ellen, thank you so much for your work and for bringing this to our attention. It's uh, it's important work and it's got such a such a history. Um, and again, it it continues to sort of unfold in ways that honor these women um, and and what what they may or what people like you, activists, have made possible as a result. Um, so thank you again and again. It's, Thanks so much uh, for giving me the chance to tell the story. Um, yes, and keep telling stories. I think you're a fabulous storyteller which with much history to share with us all. Thank um, you so much. All right. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Shmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Bleichfeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.